while everybody is stripping down service, we're actually adding additional stuff, which is kind of cool. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pre-Shift Podcast, where we dive deep into what it takes to run great restaurant teams. I'm your host, DJ, and today I'm sitting down with Chad McKay, CEO of Fire and Vine Hospitality. My name is Chad McKay, and I'm the CEO of Fire and Vine Hospitality. Fire and Vine has been running restaurants in the Pacific Northwest for more than 25 years, and it's still growing. At the core is the steakhouse El Gaucho with five locations, and the group has eight restaurants and a few hotels in its portfolio. What drew me to feature them on the show was the unique way in which they pay their team. Fire and Vine servers work on a commission model, where they get a percentage of all the food they sell, and some servers are pulling in more than 100 bucks an hour. Chad and I get into how they're able to make that work and how it's changed their business for the better. As always, the Pre-Shift Podcast is brought to you by Seven Shifts, team management for restaurants. Before we dive into the big questions about employee comp, there's a few important things to understand about Fire and Vine's business to understand the whole story. One big part of that is how they focus their business coming out of 2020. Our operation was really simplified Tuesday through Saturday night. And what has happened is that our revenues far surpassed 2019, even though we missed those two days and missed the five-day parts of lunch. Our profitability has taken a wonderful turn up. Um, and we've not looked back. Where There's no consideration for reopening for lunch. There's no reconsideration of opening on Sundays or Mondays unless there is a special event. Uh, so, for instance, if there's a sporting event or a concert that's so compelling, you know, if Taylor Swift's going to play, we probably need to be open, right? <laughs> right. So, so things like that. But, um, and, you know, I think the other piece that coming out, we realized that probably the way we used to just look at stuff was, you know, just overall revenue numbers, which is important. But because we're in such high cost states, I mean, we're in minimum wage states and cities that exceed, um, I mean, I think we're the highest state in the union. Uh, we're almost the highest city in the country for Seattle. Uh, we really needed to focus on productivity. And so the sales per labor hour number is now a key. It's really a great KPI for us to tell us, are we are we on track to profitability? Are we off track to profitability? It's a really great number for me to gauge where we're at. Um, and before, we never really paid attention to sales per labor hour. But I think as an industry, it's one of those items that because labor costs have gotten so high, we have to get more productivity out of, out of the labor base that we have. These new operating hours allow for them to focus harder on the times when they're open. It's also provided space for special and corporate events, which are profitable from the jump. You have so many reservations, but then you're also kind of hoping that people are going to walk in. So you're kind of waiting for this other 40% of the business of what's going to happen. Um, and what this has allowed us is Tuesday through Saturday, we've we've concentrated because we do have a loyalty program. We'll talk about that later. So we do have pent up demand for our restaurants, but we basically have just really moved those counts into a five day instead of seven days. And so the, if you look at overall counts, it, it hasn't dropped. It's actually just compressed. So that makes those days much better. And then the 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 awesome part of all of this is we created space on those Sunday and Monday, as well as during lunchtime to do special events, to do corporate lunches, you know, for a hundred people to do buyouts of the restaurant which 
give you profitable business every time you do them. So again, you're not opening the door and hoping and praying as a strategy that you're going to get enough people in. Um, and so it's just, it's been fantastic. And I think the, um, yeah, so that, I, you know, that's just a, a big piece of being able to create those opportunities where maybe we wouldn't have been able to take 100 top or 150 or people wouldn't think of us, but we're now competing with the hotel spaces during the daytime. Now, maximizing productivity does not mean just squeezing the most out of your employees that you do have. If anything, it's allowed for a better balance and has let Fire and Fine double down on experiential service, like tableside Caesars and Bananas Foster that light up the dining room. And when I say productivity of trying to maximize, it's not about maximizing the productivity. It's about where's the balance. And so what we look at is, is it, is it great for the guests? Is it great for our team? And is it financially sustainable to do? And so we're experiential restaurants. And so that is one of the things that we have, we've got to deliver on that. So we do tableside Caesar, we carve Chateaubriand's, we do bananas foster, and all of that's done in front of the guest, right? Whether it's the server doing it or one of our tuxedoed captains. Um, but what we've done is we've actually upped the game. So we do more tableside now in every one of our restaurants than we ever did before um, because we want to maximize the experience, not necessarily revenue, not necessarily productivity. It's making sure that you are that you understand where your your sales productivity needs to be to be profitable. And that's so when we talk about sustainability, a lot of that is around financial sustainability. Can we keep doing what we're doing? And so our team has added. Uh, table side, while everybody is stripping down service, we're actually adding additional stuff, which is kind of cool. It never left for you guys, right? <laughs> You're doing it more. You're doing it more. Yeah. So we added steak Diane uh, to our gaucho menus, which is, you know, a fun table side uh, steak option. And so just, you know, things like that. It's really cool to be able to deliver for a guest um, and just show them like, hey, we're not like everybody else. We're actually giving you more. We're doing some more razzle dazzle. We're having some more fun, not taking away things because we're, a, you know, because you're trying to cut costs everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those things too in the dining room that just invites people to, you know, I want that too, right? It's like the easiest possible. <laughs> Ooh, that yeah, as good. soon as the first banana fosters <laughs> lights up and the smell hits the room, people are like, oh, what is that? And the flames are going and yeah. But when your servers are performing duties normally reserved for the back of the house, how does training work exactly? Spoiler, it can be intense. Because of our service level, the servers can only handle so many tables. And so when you when we bring a new person in, they're going to go through 10 days of really intense training. They're going to go through front desk. They're going to see the kitchen, expo. And then they're going to work with an individual server that, that does training on that. They won't even get a table until after that 10 days. And then they'll, they'll start with a table. Right. And then and then they're going to build to two. Right. And then over time, they'll build to three. And so we say it takes about six months to make a server feel pretty good, not super confident, but pretty good because they have to master, you know, the menu, which isn't that hard. But you still have to, you know, do all those things. You have to master all of the place settings, all of the mise en place, all of the table side that the server's involved with. So, which the Caesar salad we 
would be a big one. Um, we make millions and millions of Caesars. So they, you just get really good at it. Um, and so they take time to build up. So as, as you get busier and you do turns, then we're adding in support teams to help them on those turns. Right. So we, we need them to ring a certain level so they can make good, you know, they can make money. Um, and then to turn those tables and you start adding in additional bussers, food runners, others that help um, on that productivity side for that next level of revenue. So if you only do one turn a night, you don't really need a busser. Right. But if you're if you're doing a couple and you, you've got a lot of action going, then then that's where they start to pay for themselves. I also wanted to understand how Fire and Vine measures labor productivity when staff have such a narrow focus and fewer tables than most restaurants. Yeah, I think right now, um, if I just look at a trending number, I want to be somewhere around the 110 mark. So $110 per per direct labor hour. Um, depending on what's happening, we can see that all the way up to 200. So if we have big private events, but for all the car, probably... Uh, you know, around 130, 140 means we've got a lot of turns going or we went a little too um too tight. Again, I we that's an indicator number versus a absolute number of what people need to do. So at the end of the day, you've got that and then you've got your reviews. Right. So we get a lot of online submissions through we happen to use seven rooms for our reservation. So we get, you know, hundreds of reviews a day. Um, and so that's part of, did, did we break the restaurant last night? Right. <laughs> like, and you know, sometimes you break a restaurant, it, it does happen. It just got, it gets beyond where you, you can deliver. It's not always about hitting a number though. McKay acknowledges that it's not a science and some things are just done based on the restaurant's core values. What we look at is, Hey, we got to make sure our people are making money. Right. So it's like, if you have servers that are only ringing a thousand dollars and they need to be ringing two or three thousand to make the kind of money that should, well, that part of that staffing, like, are we are we starving people versus giving them opportunities to create revenue? Um, and then the other is what's the support team needed to help sustain that? Because the the server really becomes a primary element of our restaurant, and then our captain layer, which comes and does some of the table side and the the wine but also captures and supports the the service team. You know, if they get stuck on a table that's super talkative or it's taking a while, they could just blend over and grab their other table and take them to the finish, right? So um, we go back and again, if you look at our purpose, it's we, we revel in celebrating life. And so if you do that and you figure out how are we going to do that for this party, and then you take some decision criteria, which is, is it great for the guests? Is it great for the team? And is it financially sustainable? And if you can answer yes to those three questions, just get her done. Right. Um, and also, you know, our credo, we have a series of about 28 different things that we go through that are behavioral standards. And one of them is we start with yes. So when, when somebody's wanting something, we start with yes, and then we let them know how we can do that. Versus walking into a restaurant or calling and they're like, we're fully booked. I'm like, I, it, I, I've been to a couple fully booked restaurants. Most restaurants, even busy ones are not fully booked. If I walk in at 515 and you needed the table back at 645, we got a deal. You just have to start with, yes, we'd love to get you in, but can we have the table back at 630? You know, so 
Um, so I don't know if that that gives you a couple of ideas, but that that those are the things that we're focused on. We don't sit there with a scorecard of you know you got to hit 110. That's like at the end of the month. Like let's see where we're at during the week um, and just know you know kind of day to day where that number is. So it's just a good indicator, not the marching orders. The marching orders is revel in celebrating life. Take a quick break to share an exciting update from Seven Shifts. Usually I don't do this, but our users have been waiting for it for a long time. I know I don't have to tell you that running payroll is a lengthy manual process. Data entry, multiple systems, cross-referencing, triple checking. So I'm excited to announce that Seven Shifts payroll is now available in the United States. Now you can schedule your employees, manage the time clock, calculate tips, and pay your team in one app. And when you make the switch to Seven Shifts payroll, your first three months are on us. Now it's time for the big question, the commission model for service. Commission is common in industries like auto sales, retail, real estate, but it's not all that common in hospitality. But Fire and Run has found a way to make it work, give staff an opportunity to earn high above industry averages. I'll let Chad explain how it works. We stumbled upon a new way to really think about how we pay our employees, how we pay our servers primarily. And that was to do to implement a service charge across the board. So to no matter party size, we just do a 20% service charge and a 22% for booked contracted events. And then we pay, instead of trying to divvy that out as a tip and do all these different things that other people do or trying to figure out, well, how do we pay everybody $30 an hour, all this kind of stuff. We started with the the premise in this, and I, I sat in front of our teams and stood in front of them, talked about it. This is not a front of the house, back of the house war. We're not, that's not a war we're in, nor was it a war we were ever about. I paid my back of the house teams well then. I pay them well now. And that's a different career path. Um, I love my servers. I love the sales team. They execute and deliver to the guest. And without them, we don't, we don't really have a business because we won't have the guests. Um, and so what we did is we took the model that was this tip out model where really the server was keeping about 12 and a half percent of their sales as tips for them. The rest of it was getting tipped out to expos and front desk and, uh, bussers and captains and the wine steward and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we, we put them on a 15% commission. So not not the service charge. Service charge is a different deal, but they're commissioned salespeople now. If they sell it and we deliver and we don't take it off the bill for you know for reason like we burn a steak or whatever right. those types of things or we messed up, then they get paid. It's not to the whim of the guest. It's not you know that side. It's you're a professional. You get paid with what you sell. And. If the if the customer, if our guest wants to leave an additional amount, they're welcome to, but it is not asked. But we we do allow that. We will accept that um, because there's some people, and I've I've been in this situation where I went to a restaurant. I wanted to take care of. There were some other place places that were doing a service charge, but then they their compensation model was totally different. And I wanted to leave extra because our server just did an awesome job. And they're like, you can't. Like, what do you mean I can't? I, I actually want to leave some more money. Well, we don't have a way. I'm like, well, ring a dollar up and let me tip or you know something. So um, so leaving that out 
I think is it's a it's it's an area where other places have struggled. What we want to do is we want to tell our guest we're going to deliver for you, and we've been delivering for twenty five years, twenty six almost twenty six years now for our corporate clients that have always paid a service charge. Right, a third of our business has always had a service charge, and now the other two thirds does as well. And if we if we don't make it right, then we we eat the bill. Right, just just like you do on on, on other things. So, and then this is uh, DJ. I think this is something that was a surprise, but looking back on it, I didn't realize how poor the restaurant industry did of marketing people that had not worked in our business. When you have a job posting like this, come work for us. It'll be minimum wage plus tips. You'll be a busser, you'll minimum wage plus, you know, front desk, be a runner, minimum wage plus tips. Well, if you've never worked in our industry, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> right. And and it was actually talking to a front desk person that had been hired at our Bellevue location. And she had been on the job about four months. And I was asking how it was going. And this is prior to us switching to this service charge commission model and in this this new way of compensation. And she's like, oh, it's fantastic. She had come from Nordstrom's and she's like, I just love it here. People are awesome. I said, how's the money? She's like, oh, it's great. You know, I make, I think at this time it was like 14, 15 an hour. Um, and then I make five, five or six bucks an hour in tips. She goes, but I don't count those because I can't count on them. And I was like, okay, so you make 21 an hour and you don't count on that, even though for four months, You've made $21. And I just realized if you're not in this business, we do a disservice to ourselves. And so when we switched our servers to commissions, we actually switched all the support teams, which were our really entry-level points. We converted them to hourly rates. And so all of a sudden, you're if you're a busser, 22, 25 an hour, that's guaranteed. I mean, that's guaranteed. You're not waiting for a server to pay you out. We could advertise for front desk and start them at 20 bucks an hour. Again, this is seven years ago. That was kind of unheard of, but that's what people were making in our restaurant. And so, you know, when I look at labor, you know, at the end of the day, I want us to win. I want our teams to win. I want our restaurants to win. I want an unfair advantage over other places. I don't care about the other places. I want us to win. So in in the advertising game and the marketing game of entry level, um, we've won. In detail, the servers make a set base wage with the commission on top. Typically, there's a base wage um, and then uh, the commission. So in, in essence, 15%, sometimes it's a little different or it's an hourly rate for, for a couple of events. Uh, so it's a base wage plus commissions plus any additional bumps that they get are 100% theirs, no credit card deduction and no tip out to anybody else. So those three components uh, average somewhere, you know, the average server is somewhere in that 60 to $90 an hour, but we have servers up into 110, 120 an hour in terms of earnings between all of those things. But the drastic switch like this, especially when compensation is concerned, it may alienate some long-time staff, which at K admits was a fear. But it has had a positive impact on how employees work in their day-to-day. 
I think one of our longtime servers, uh, he's 20, 22 years, 23 years. Um, yeah, I was asking him how it was going. This is six and a half years ago. So about after about six months and he's like, Chad, I have, I never real ha- realized how much I prejudged tables until I didn't have to. And the other thing is all I got to do is practice my craft and I get paid, right? Take care of the guests. And if I do it exceptionally well, I might get a little extra. If not, I don't have to worry about preconceived notions. Are they international travelers? Like I get paid and I, th- I'd love this job. And yes, compensation is part of it, but I don't have to worry and run over and look at the check to see if they left me anything or do an autograt under the old deal. And so he's like, it's so much more relaxing to to take care of people, not worry, is this table even going to tip me? Like I get three tables tonight and this one might stiff me. So, um, and then one of our very uh, veteran servers, um, she she was with us 23 years uh, until she retired. Um, at the end of the day, she was like, Chad, why didn't we do this 20 years ago? <laughs> She's like, this is the best thing going. That, that was what my dad said too. Um, because it just changes the dynamic. And they also didn't find that it led to any attrition. If anything, a lot of staff regret not doing it sooner. We didn't lose a single server when we converted everybody. Like to me, that's that's the the pudding. You know, that is the proof is when we switched over, are we gonna lose our our senior servers? People that have been there for a long time. Yeah, and by the way, that's the last thing I want in a in an experiential restaurant with longtime clients and so that's why I think some of the other restaurateurs that have done some of these different models, they they lost sight of the fact that part of their restaurant is their service staff. And yes, there's the cooks and you need to take care of them. But man, you cannot balance the P&L off of your servers. Now McKay is working to help other businesses follow the same model of paying their teams, among other things, with his new company, Brigado. Brigado's are was an in-house kind of a captive IT company um, that we started about six years ago. Um, And that has now morphed into, you know, a whole nother company that is delivering tech support services and projects and POS management, um, network management, cybersecurity, those types of things, specifically in the hospitality space. We do take care of a couple other clients as well. and so that has been one outlet that I have done some consulting and more speaking engagements around. Um, and so, you know, some people are open to it and some people are not. We, we, in the very beginning, we told everybody what we were doing. We showed them how to do it. Um, and I think we've talked with 50 restaurateurs in Portland and, you know, at the end of the day, nobody else did it. Or if they did it, um, in Seattle, they, they were trying to peanut butter around and they lost their servers. And so again, what I, I learned from other restaurants that when I say they declared a war on their sales teams, they declared a war against their servers, trying to balance their business on their backs. And to me, that, that that's not fair. Thanks for checking out this episode of the pre-ship. If you enjoyed this one, leave a review and share it with one friend to help the show grow. Could not do it without your support. As always, I'd love to hear what you think. You can email me at dj at sevenshifts.com. You can also find great insights like these on the Seven Shifts blog and on all of our social channels. Catch you next time.